0: Oh, God, it's happy times and places where that bloke from the DVD and Blu ray extras tries to be all cheerful about Doctor Who and tries to guess what his special guest's favourite things are about an episode as he commentates positively along with it.
1: So, I'm Andrew Smith. Uh, I'm a writer, and um, in relation to Doctor Who, I wrote Full Circle. And for the last 10 years plus, I've contributed several stories to uh, the Big Finish audio ranges for Doctor Who and other titles. So, Toby, for uh, my contribution to this excellent series of yours, I've selected The Dominators.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're now going to episode four of the dominators after watching episode because the last one had no title uh, uh for those late to the party episode three of the dominators but it does not have an episode three caption uh which makes it i think unique in the history of doctor who uh classic doctor who anyway um now listen we're going to see what is in store for the Dominators and the peaceful people of Dulkis As this story trundles to its conclusion, we are going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I... Uh, you know this 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 derek show in who i th- i think you know had fractious working relationships with 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 people you could you could see that he sort of rubbed people up the wrong way um and yet i do like you know the gutsiness of his scripts for the invasion and that, that and 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 you know the the general demeanor that he foists upon uh you know season seven even though he's he, he you know he departs fairly quickly it's very short Stint he has as producer, if you think about it, um, uh, but he does have quite an impact on Doctor Who, who show. In but uh, I never th- felt he came across brilliantly in 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 interviews. I th- I th- as I say, I think he wa- I think he rubbed people up the wrong way. Certainly, um, but very very influential on on Doctor Who, and one of his influences was to <laughs> annoy. Uh, oh oh hang on we so we're, we're back in a spaceship all of a sudden have I'm anyway we're on an island Toby it's very patronising um uh but you know huge impact that uh that show had on the show um they, they look fantastic when they're shot in profile these dominators uh and I do think Ronald Allen is superb um I i think it's you know it takes quite a lot of innate dignity to 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 emerge unblemished whilst dressed as a stroppy tortoise uh, <laughs> uh and and i you know i can see derek Showen's point about uh, this because um you know there 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 is there are a lot of there, there's basically two cliffhangers to this what, what, what one is toba about to destroy something or in the middle of destroying something. And that is resolved by Rago going, stop doing that, it's a waste of energy. Uh, or Cully and somebody in a museum with that museum collapsing upon them, which could be the result of Toba and his stroppy energy wastage. Um, so so I, I can I can see why Show might have thought this was treading water a little bit. I certainly don't think... You know, it it d- the plot doesn't feel like it's it's missing bits or it jumps about too much uh, as a result of the story's truncation. Um, but it does mean we sadly lose Hazeman and Lincoln, who I think were were t- were two very good writers, and I think the two Yeti stories are are fabulous. Uh, we we try, excuse me, we tried to get Kenneth Ives for the DVD and Brian Kant. I think Brian Kant was ill for quite a long time. Uh, cause, cause I remember, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we tried to get him and the, the word came back going, no, he's, and he did do other things after that, but maybe his health was up and down. Um, whereas Kenneth Ives just is not somebody who wants to give interviews. Uh, I think, I know he signs stuff and sends it back in the post, but, He's uh he's never replied to, to, to requests for interviews. I think I think he phoned the boys at Phantom and just said, I'm not really my thing, maybe. So he's not you know, he's not ignorant or anything like that. It's just um some people don't fancy giving interviews. Um But he's he's directed some good telly, as I say, he was married to Marty Kane. Uh so he's uh, he's in the film of Quatermass and the Pit, uncredited. Um now presumably you know, this isn't too much of a dilemma for the for the Quark because Rago is the is the superior uh officer. Um I I I mean, yeah, they're 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 two good actors and their characters are fairly sort of broadly drawn, aren't they? Um but I always think it's to our advantage when baddies squabble with each other and they these two don't have squabble. But he is he's like a kind of uh, sort of t- uh, um, a sort of terse Frankenstein, isn't he? Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. But he's yeah, he's like a slightly peevish Frankenstein's monster. Uh, but he is like a sort of walking cadaver. He's very good. Um, I lo- Wendy Padbury looks great with soot on her face. I don't know. There's something something quite urchin-like about uh, uh, a, a, a grubby Wendy Padbury. Um, and uh, Andrew mentioned that he didn't think there would have been foley artists here. There definitely wouldn't have been. I I will keep an eye out for this actual rock that uh, uh, he mentioned. Um, some of these are definitely, uh, but they're decent, but definitely lightweight uh, rocks. Um, oh, oh yes, of course they've been they've been landed on. Oh yes, no, they've um, they're under the ground. Yes, they found so that was good because it 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 had been set up, hadn't it? That there's this that there's this shelter part underground, and they've fortunately found that in between, you know, the 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 bit of the set falling onto Cully and uh, and and what looked like the destruction of the building. So that's nice, and that opens up a new uh, a new opportunity for these uh, these characters. and the secret to uh, the ultimate triumph of the good guys. Uh, and I always like it when Jamie sort of gets to befriend somebody and and, and spearhead a bit of the action because he is Jamie is sort of you know comic relief because of because of his um, you know because he's a bit dim, but. Uh, he's he's always allowed to be very brave and instinctively clever he's intellectually dim but he's a bit like Leela in that sense in that he's he's only uneducated well no he is a bit dim as well but he's but he's also instinctively uh adaptable and brave uh uh he's a great character Jamie I like him a lot uh We do, we do like we do like that uh, that sort of molecular bonding thing against the wall, but uh, it it is in it is film, isn't it? So must have been sort of stuck in very quick quickly. That's quite deft vision mixing that. Uh, it's I like his makeup too. It looks like he's got a slightly sort of stony face. Oh yes, he's gonna. Oh, is this where is this where he sort of goes, will it fit me and a quark in it? Uh, but I don't think we ever get to see that, do we? Because um, there, cert- there are certain situations that you don't want to see your baddies in, lest it sort of uh, dull their luster slightly. And I think imagining <laughs> Rago piloting uh, the capsule squeezed in with the quark sitting behind him uh would probably have done nothing for his street cred shall we say uh um, what would they have done with the quarks if if Lincoln and haesman had carried on i mean you can't you can't imagine them invading twentieth century a uh, a uh, battling unit can you <laughs> uh Trouton's good. He's always got that slight edge of panic about him. Uh, it is quite Tardis-like this set, isn't it? Of the the Dominator spaceship, um, and it's a decent size. Barry Newbury is it his only Trouton? I think so. But you can tell that this outside is a, a is is a, is a little limited in its. Uh, in it's space, but again, I think I think that the, the rocks and the backdrop are actually pretty well done, uh, considering they have to marry with uh, uh, obviously, it's obviously the, the, the dominant with the location, obviously, the dominators have uh, very good lightweight uh, mining equipment. Oh, that's one of the uh, that's one of the publicity pictures, isn't it? Balance sort of shrinking from the bright light of the of the uh, of of the of the mining equipment, but he moved that with great ease they obviously um their technology involves a certain yeah amount of lightweight equipment oh yeah oh you do see rago with the uh with with the with the with the travel travel machine um I wonder what we'd think about this if we only had a handful of telesnaps in the soundtrack uh but actually i think i think a lot of the things that that help this are visual you know you i don't think you'd get a lot of ronald allen's performance if you couldn't see the sort of snarling impassivity of his face um i do i do think it's a good idea to make them look slightly corpse like um they creak don't they and you almost get the impression they've got sort of black blood uh, which I quite like. That's what that's what I do. If I was making if I was making a, a a sort of more modern version of the Dominators, I'd give them a yeah. I'd give them give them black blood. I remember I I I once had an idea for a fan film. It was a prison planet, of course it was, and it had a couple of Dominators on it because I thought they would be able to be quite easily done and you know fairly easy to write. And I and I came up with a new rank because I quite like the fact that he's probationer, or is it Navigator Rago and Probationer Toba. That's a great word because it suggests, you know, he's a junior, he's an underling, he's the sort of, uh, he's the apprentice uh, dominator, you know, he's, he's working on his city and guilds in dominating, or uh, uh, perhaps he's, you know, just on some sort of work experience placement uh, from uh, dominator finishing school, Um and i came up with another rank that was that that you know complied with that sort of um word structure uh and i remember being very proud of it and i can't remember what it was now functioner i think yeah fu- which it isn't actually that good but i think i think i was it was i was sort of going sort of functionary somebody who um, fulfilled basic tasks, so a sort of junior rank functioner. Ober, it wasn't Ober, but it was something. I had a name for them, um, but I never wrote this story. I just thought about it a lot. Much of my life has been spent just thinking about things rather than doing them. Um, oh, I meant to. I meant to look up how old Arthur Cox is in this, but. Uh, uh, late 20s early 30s but certainly not middle-aged as often written uh written up as and i remember him saying oh yes brilliant head over the hill james that's that was definitely fraser heinz's idea why don't i put my hand on the top of his head and pull it back that's exactly the sort of thing that fraser Hines would come up with and one of the many reasons i love him <laughs> because it just keeps it this side of daft but it's but it's fun and it's and it's embedded in great sort of farcy silly tradition um but i remember arthur saying that that uh, he, he was never quite sure how to pronounce quark and he calls them quarks on location and quarks in the studio or or the other way around uh i think because they hadn't quite agreed uh so there's certainly a little bit of a little bit of mandling between uh, quark and quarks. Uh, now, did I tell you about trying to find the quarks? John Hicks, who's one of the quarks, is 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 also the Axon Boy in the Cause of Axos, and I was sent. Was it Paul Schoons who sent it to me? I think it might have been. Who's a very nice fan in new zealand who uh, who writes various production notes and is a bit of an expert and also a very nice chap i went to new zealand to do my one-man show and you know he dropped me a line and said me and my wife will show you around new zealand and they did i love all this stuff of jamie throwing the rocks um but of course that is supposed to um yeah of course that's supposed to match up with the studio which which is, is never gonna it's never gonna quite work um but this is good fun, and, and you've got Balan there as well. Oh, and they they do it, they, they shoot. Uh, uh, I think I think all of that's lovely. All of the you know eat your heart out caves of Androzani. This is essentially the same as the caves of Androzani chase, isn't it? Except it's, it's it's Fraser Hines and the Quark. Oh, and a giant big rock uh, bunged over the side of a cliff. I absolutely adore that. I think that's it's quite cartoony, but it's not stupid. It's fun. Uh, it's it's action packed. I love it. It's nicely shot. Uh, it's a lovely, great big rock. Oh, the rock is now split in two. Has it? Or it's two suddenly two rocks? It's had a big rock, and and you can see the sort of feet still moving. Love that. Love all that. Bit of wanton destruction. A bit of containable fun. Tea time violence. <laughs> Only one person has strong enough to do that. I love that. Trouton's absolute delight in the carnage. <laughs> Uh, and of course, their relief that Jamie is still alive. I, lo- I love that, and that that speaks to the quality of this sort of ensemble and 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 the team feel of the show at this time. But yeah, John Hicks did an interview with a New Zealand newspaper, um, and he was at that time. It was like he's now fifty five, and this was probably fifteen years ago now. So he's seventy now, and he was a kid then because they were school children. Well, they say school children. They were they were stage school children. You know, they were they were uh, professionals. John Hicks, Gary Smith, and Freddie Wilson. And Gary Smith, I think, had played Oliver Twist on stage. Um, I remember Freddie Foot, who played the Servo Robot, telling me he knew all of these guys. And as I said in another episode, Freddie said that he'd definitely played at Quark. So we need to get to the bottom of that. I need to interview Freddie on record, which I I didn't do because um, I was hoping to visit him um, uh and sometimes I drop the ball with this stuff because I, I get very nervous ringing people up, especially if I've already spoken to them and it's not quite come off for various reasons. I, I then feel sick at the prospect of phoning them back, but I, I need to get over myself. Um, that's why I'm not a, I am not never consider myself a proper journalist. Proper journalists uh, have front and guile and confidence. And I, I just, yeah, I don't have any of those things. Um, so yeah, uh, Gary Smith was quite a busy young actor but you try finding Gary Smith you google Gary Smith and see where it gets you and Equity you see don't hold records of child actors unless they went on to have long grown up careers uh, and Corona stage school if they were at Corona I think they were if not whichever stage school they were at none of none of those records exist anymore And Freddie Wilson I think I have found and have written to and he's never written back uh And I don't think I'm the only, I think Richard Bignall's written to him as well. So I don't think Freddie Wilson is interested in talking about his time as a quark. And and John Hicks, as I say, gave an interview, but uh, I know Paul, yay, it's the Sabutio bowl, wee bowl thing. John Hicks gave that interview to a New Zealand newspaper, which I still have. See if I can dig it out, actually. It's one of those bits of paper that I always find in a pile of bits of paper. and go, oh, good, I'm glad I haven't lost that. But I, I haven't actually got a place where I keep it, so I don't actually know where it is. I'll, I'll find it when I'm looking for something else. Um, but he gave a nice interview saying he, you know, enjoyed being a quark or whatever, and now he lived in New Zealand. Um, now, here's coming up. It's going to be my favourite bit, I think. Um, uh, he's i love the way he enters by the way this sort of the absolute disdain that he has for everything that's going on here uh brushes boven past and just goes i'm gonna completely cut to the chase he walks in he has a look around he sort of does a little recce assesses the situation doesn't give a stuff about anybody um is really intimidating to to brian kant uh uh, and and uh, and has you know he's affronted, but he has a slight amusement about these you know assholes uh, standing up to him. Um, and that's and that's right. I respect any one thing: superior force. That's the sort of. That's the. Uh, you know that's the. Perhaps you'd care to make. An appointment—that is my favourite bit of this episode. That I, I, as I say, I love Ronald Mansell and John Cross as the two, uh, uh, as the two gossipy ones. Now, and I'm sure. Now, I don't think I had seen the Dominators in full until it came out on DVD. I don't think the VHS was a full edit, or if it was, I hadn't got the VHS, and I'd got a. Uh, a, a bootleg but I've got a feeling no I've got a feeling I I had I'd seen the VHS and I I think the VHS they'd got whatever was on the shelf and the death scenes I, I love his contempt for them his curled lip is brilliant but it's not just contempt it's like amusement but oh got he's authority he's brilliant Ronald Allen but um, but Tenser's death was briefer than that and i think is it in this episode there's a scene where they torture teal which was definitely i remember when i first watched the dvd going oh okay that's much longer and i oh and balance death at the end of this episode again i was used to it just going sort of and him falling whereas as we'll see he sort of he he wanders around the spaceship getting shot and shot and shot and it's really horrible it is sort of one of those sort of slightly if you if you care to view it in that way slightly comical you know repeat long-winded deaths but i actually think because i was used to it just being you know, a, a slight bit of talcum powder and in probably the floor. The fact that he, oh, I love the way he points as well. He does an alien point. He uses three fingers, not one. And again, that's just going on. He's going to do something slightly different here. Uh, I think that's superb. And yeah, p- poor old Brian can't uh, gets gets killed, and we don't see them again, do we? So, I mean, that's the end of our main guest star, Walter Fitzgerald, playing Senex. Um, who as i say was a was a highly regarded ca- leading character actor done movies um uh, doesn't doesn't have a character arc or anything just basically comes on and this is the bit yeah this 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 was this was cut from the video uh, and and certainly you know what whatever was on the shelf at the bbc um and i think that the the, the nft or the bfi somebody had another uh, a, a copy, so you know that that material could have actually been missing, if uh, if we were unlucky, and sometimes just the reinsertion of those little bits. I was definitely the same with the faceless ones, part one, where the copy I had, you know, would cut away from the little close-ups of the chameleon's hand that you see. Uh, and just the reinsertion of those tiny few seconds here and there can make a massive difference to an episode because you couldn't show much and you could only have certain levels of violence or horror or 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 re- reveals or whatever uh, those those are precious moments because they're deliberate dramatic high points or or, or, or moments within a story and that, and, 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 and that that scene where it's all and in fact you know what they cut, wasn't you seeing Teal being tortured. It's Kando's reaction and begging Tober to stop. But you can hear Teal screaming and and so imagine the pain that he's in. And that was enough for it to be cut for uh, Australia, I'm presuming. Um, uh, And and, and having it back in just gives an extra edge to the episode because I think, because we have these, you know, slightly... um, you know straightforward and guileless characters from from dulcis you you do need a bit of edge um because you know they're not soldiers you know that the web of fear has edge because everyone's a soldier you know and the and the and the monks in in abominable snowmen are sort of quite tough cookies especially song but this this the 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 the, the, the don't really have that edge and in fact, the one that showed some promise was Tenser, and he sort of got killed. Yeah. So this, this, I'm sure, in 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 the video version, he, you know, it was just a zap, uh, and he sort of falls to the ground. Um, whereas that, he sort of he, he wanders around, getting blasted again and again, uh, and it's quite a slow, protracted death. Uh, uh, and that's a, that's poor old Ballon, You know, it's basically shooting hostages. Is, a, is pretty is a pretty grim thing to do dramatically, and you know, it's not we're going to threaten you uh, uh, end of episode it's we're going to threaten you right we're going to carry out the threat he's dead uh and you go well okay he's a disposable character i suppose although they was just having a lovely chat with uh, with uh, zoe and the doctor and now he's been blasted to smithereens a couple of times but now it's and now to you doctor um so that's senex and tensor out of the way um the two of the more notable actors there um aren't back next week and weren't in the first episode so that's very curious um, I mean you know I think any old sausage could have played uh, could have played Cenex. Um it's uh, yeah it's not often remarked upon that uh, uh, very well you know well respected but I think slightly on his way out actor Walter Fitzgerald um, is uh, you know one of the more anonymous um, high-end actor contributions to Doctor Who um but yeah that's you know that that cliffhanger works works very effectively except that you know because and you've seen Rago leave the council chamber that Rago's gonna walk in and go, don't waste energy, Tober you idiot and Tober's gonna go come command blooming accepted. I wish I was a functioner um so my favorite bit of that episode anyway is the council member saying, perhaps you'd care to make an appointment just because I, I, I love the scene where Rago sort of storms in anyway. So maybe I can have that whole, the whole vibe of that whole scene because he walks in, completely ignores them and goes and looks around. Then he comes back and just says what he's got to say. uh, and, and, you know, he doesn't even bother to kill anybody then. It's that he has to wait for Tenser to really push it before he goes, all right, I'll kill you um but before that because he's pushing his way around they're going this is, this is simply not how we do things perhaps you would care to make an appointment uh but then he kills tensor which is great because uh, you know those deaths are rather well done and longer than i'm used to because you know they they cut a certain amount of the protractedness of the death scenes so they're they're welcome and relatively new for me and then he points to him using three fingers because that's how bad aliens point um, so yeah I like I liked all of that thought that was all great but especially the line perhaps you'd care to make an appointment <laughs> that's very doctor who because it's funny in a tense situation and it's kind of arch and kind of silly but it's also kind of real because we recognize it it's 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 pouring something we recognize into an alien setting and therefore kind of helping us with the alien setting but also um making us laugh lovely well done everybody for that bit what is andrew's favorite bit
1: okay now to pick my favorite thing from episode four um and it's straightforward this one my favorite thing in episode four is jamie mccrimmon um he's apart from the doctor but this shows in this episode that he he, um he doesn't need the Doctor to be resourceful, full of ideas. He's got plenty of agencies. He's, he's taken charge. He's taken the fight to the Dominators and even destroys a Quark uh, with a cry of, ya wee tin kettle. <laughs> um, and there's a nice line as well that reminds us that he's uh, from a the, the clan McCrimmon and uh, fought in the, the Jacobite Rebellion. Um, so, yeah, fairly easy one here. And... Um, Uh, Again, uh, as as a wee Scottish boy myself, I was uh, uh, very keen on uh, Jamie as a companion back in the day. Uh, And this pairing of Jamie and Zoe with the second Doctor uh, is really my uh, perfect TARDIS TARDIS trio. Um, So there it is, yeah, Jamie McCrimmon is my favourite thing from episode four.
0: Jamie is really good in this, and I uh, and, and I mean, I've been tempted a couple of times to choose, um, you know, just Jamie and the Doctor together. Uh, I think in episode two I was, wasn't I? Because uh, uh, because they are a great pairing, um, and they really bounce off each other well, and they're just you just want to be with them. I think that's the key to a great successful Tardis team is that you are even in even in a story that's not quite working or. Or, or where something's not being quite pulled off production-wise. If, if, if you're with people whose company you enjoy, who, who are helping you to enjoy it, and are sort of enjoying themselves, but without, you know, spoiling the reality of it, which, you know, sounds like an oxymoron, but it sounds sounds impossible to pull off. But it's it's not actually, and it's a certain kind of sort of acting chemistry that enables. Two apparently uh, Im- Im- impossible things to be you know, that, that are so, that, that are sort of slightly self contradictory to, to to coexist, um, and I think and I think that does happen with with Trout and Hines. And yeah, I mean, I went straight for the you'd care to make an appointment because I just I I had to I I got it in my head because I thought I just love that moment, but I could easily have chosen Jamie and Cully storming around, and, and I love the rock blowing up the quark because i'd had the blowing up quark last episode um I think that's why I put that out of my mind. But yeah, it's a great episode for Jamie. And I, and I do like it when he's not sort of patronised and when he's allowed to be a little bit heroic, especially as, as, as Trouton's much better, you know, walking around being manipulative and working things out with that sort of keen, intelligent and that, that ticking brain. It's great that if you can have Jamie going off and, you know, having a bit of rough and tumble. Um, uh, and and I, so I think that's a brilliant, brilliant choice. Quite right. And I love Jamie. Um, he's so good. And Fraser Hines is so good. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I I, I I concur with Andrew's choice, even though my choice was a different thing. So we have one more episode to go. There should have been two episodes, but uh, Derek Sherwin has issued an edict to say, no, let's uh, chop this down and cut to the chase. Um, so we will get to one of the few climactic episode fives that Doctor Who has. The first of them. This is the first Doctor Who five-parter. But we've got all that to enjoy in the next episode of Happy Times and Places. The last episode of the Dominators uh, with Andrew Smith taking us full circle. Uh, And uh, thanks very much for listening. And um, if you want to come along and enjoy the next episode well perhaps you'd care to make an appointment <laughs> well thanks very much indeed for listening to Happy Times and Places presented by me Toby Haydoke with special guest Andrew Smith find him on Twitter at Andrew Smith but there's a catch the A and the S are in capital letters and the E of Andrew is actually the number three I'd like to thank him and of course the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, David Matthewman, John McClay, Ross McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Perry, Jonathan Potter, Kevin Parker, Richie, give me a surname Richie, Dylan Reese, John Rivers, Mark Sandom, Jim Saxter, Matt Sawyer, Keith Say, Stephen Smith, aka Dalek Fan. Len Stewart, Neil Tate, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Reynard C. Toons and Apollo C. Vermouth. The music is by Dave Gates. The artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, if you want to become a patron and have your name read out, or like Stephen Smith, have your name and your nickname uh, read out, more nicknames, come on guys, give me some more nicknames, I like those, uh, please uh, go to patreon.com forward slash toby haydoke where for as little as three pounds a month you well you'd have got this uh commentary six months earlier than you're currently listening to it unless you're a patron but you know that um and you'd also have got several bits of bonus material lots of advanced stuff pictures of mine Dog uh, sort of access. We do monthly AMAs, ask me anythings, um, all sorts of stuff, and it's quite fun. It's nice. I I feel, you know, like I can sort of just be myself uh, there, and it's a it's a really nice community. And a few people start chatting to each other as well underneath the uh, you know where I've posted. The episodes which as I say you get very early so come and join us there three pounds a month uh, you get 10% off that if you sign up for a year in advance there are higher tiers as well that have some more inducements but basically pretty much everything is at the lowest tier uh, uh, but look I know that times are tough and a monthly commitment may seem quite daunting so there's ko-fi.com forward slash toby hey you know if you you know if you have a Good week on the ggs or uh, you i don't know you, i just do a thing that you particularly like and do you want to fling something my way ko-fi.com forward slash Toby tobyheadoke but my goodness i know times are tough and i know they're getting tougher and i am just grateful to you for listening and as i say i hope these brighten your day somehow or pass the time on your journey to work or when you're doing the garden or just trying to escape from reality uh, you're welcome uh, to this Corner of cyberspace or you know, Audiosville, and I'm very, very grateful uh, you've let me into your ears. Um, But what you could do that uh, costs you nothing apart from a little bit of your time is to go to iTunes. Uh, or Podbean or wherever you get these podcasts and if you leave me a five star review that really helps me to attract passing customers in this very crowded market of Doctor Who podcasts if you like this you know please encourage other people and that's one of the ways you can do it you can also leave a few words of review alongside your five star rating and go on to cyberspace and Twitter and Facebook and all those places and say nice things about these because as I say it just helps to get the word out there I'm also a stand-up comedian. I have a website, uh, tobyhadoke.com that's got uh, various bits and bobs on it. And uh, I'm on Twitter, at, at Toby Haydoke. Uh, these podcasts have their own feed, at Hadoke Podcasts. Uh, and you can come to my comedy club, XS Malarkey. That's on Twitter, too, at XS Malarkey. An X, and S, and S, and Malarkey, M-A-L-A-R-K-E-Y. That also has its own Twitch channel, Twitch forward slash malarkey. We do a monthly show there on the first Sunday of every month at 8pm, but there's also an archive of past shows because we went entirely online during lockdown. We're back live now, Tuesday night at Manchester's Breadshed at 8pm, uh, where it's me introducing brilliant acts from the live comedy circuit. <laughs> No, I've risked this tonight because just as I've started recording these bits, which I kind of want to get out of the way so I can put my feet up, next door started playing the piano. And he's, he's a very good musician and uh, he plays the piano very nicely. But it's not ideal when I don't have a proper studio. I just have a couple of inverted shelves with some sponge tape by them. I have just recorded something for broadcast quality. Um... Uh, that is Doctor Who related actually I've been very Doctor who today I can't say what it is um, But I have been doing something um, Audio-y, Doctor who Just me uh, And and not for me uh, Somebody's actually employed me So in this very seat Speaking into this very microphone With this very larynx uh, I've been doing all sorts of Doctor who flavoured stuff uh, Unfortunately uh, door wasn't playing the piano uh, He is playing the piano now I've just paused, hang on yeah, plonking away. But I don't know this. It might be that my soundproofing is so good that it's only me that can hear it. I hope so. But if not, um yes, I'm not being haunted by. uh I was going to say Yehudi Menuhin, but he was a violinist, wasn't he? Uh, that would have been such a good stream of consciousness, little piece of witticism, if I'd actually been able to conjure the name of a pianist. Uh, <laughs> Stevie Wonder. No, he's not even dead. Oh dear. Uh, I must come in more prepared for this stream-of-consciousness crap that I spout uh, at the end. Anyway, um, uh, there's not a ghostly pianist. uh preco- Strato, no, st- stratifarius that's a make of violin, isn't it? Why am I, perhaps I'm being haunted in my head by violinists. Um, anyway, I'll stop talking now. You've had your money's worth, you end-of-credits Listeners. Uh, there's an increasing number of them you know a cabal uh, it's always nice to hear from you to say you listen to the end God bless you um it's it's uh, yeah I enjoy it more than I let on but then again I enjoy most things more than I let on that is my g- glass half empty kind of thing that I put out there can you hear that can you hear that piano who knows i see if i listen back i won't know because he's still playing the piano i tried that earlier and i was like, i don't know if that's the piano here or the piano there anyway uh the yes there we go that's the andre previn did he play the piano uh who plays the why have i forgotten the name of every piano player elton john he's not dead i need i need a dead piano player uh, I don't. I don't really. I think the moment's passed. Even if I now come up with the best dead piano player by whom I could be being haunted, I, I, I already think the moment is gone, and we're just shuffling around. All of us a little bit embarrassed. Sorry about that. Right, Rachmaninoff. There we go. Well, he was a composer, wasn't he? But I've just I've just Googled famous piano players because I, I don't care. Uh, Chopin. But these are all these are all composers. Um. I don't, or I don't know who they are. Well, that's all right then. I don't know I don't know who they are, so that's okay. Scott Joplin. There we go. Oh, Georgie Fame. No, he's not dead, is he? Okay. Steve Debussy, but he but Ray Charles Ray Charles herbie Hancock. Yes, finally D- uh, is herbie Hancock dead? Yeah, he must be. Let's have a look. He did uh, God he's not I've just I'm so sorry herbie Hancock. um he, he will come and haunt me when he does go though now will he? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be stalked by a haunted piano. That was just all a complete disaster. But you know what? It's staying in.